Folks, we're going we're gonna to do it today. Uh, we are going to finish our series through the gifts of the Spirit. This has been uh, a pretty good series. I have been really enjoying uh, teaching through these spiritual gifts. We've been doing this for a couple of months now. Uh, and today we are going to uh, wrap up. But let me ask you a question. Um, some of you who uh, used to watch uh, Saturday Night Live, maybe back when it was funny, uh, will remember that there was a, there was a skit. Um, a guy named Mike Myers would do this skit called Coffee Talk. And uh, the recurring theme of the, the Coffee Talk was that, uh, that he would, um, and the character's name was Linda Richmond. Linda Richmond would do coffee talk, um, and she'd have people call in, no big whoop, right? And, um, and, and some, sometimes she would get emotional, and she would get so emotional that she would become uh, what she would call verklempt. Now, verklempt is an old Yiddish word. Uh, it's got German heritage, and here's what beklempt means. It is when you are so emotionally overwhelmed that you are at a loss for words. You cannot speak. You can't do anything. You just need to take a moment. Have you ever felt that? I mean, you lived through the last few years. Maybe, you know, life is hard. Parents in the room, you've definitely felt this experience, right, where you're just at a loss. You're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe your job has made you feel overwhelmed. Maybe your person sitting next to you don't don't nudge them right now, but maybe they have made you feel this feeling, right? We have, we've all gotten to the place where, I, th I feel like I just created a reason for some marriage counseling just now <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> uh, we've all gotten into seasons and places and had different circumstances come into our lives, and we found ourselves in moments where we are just feeling incredibly overwhelmed. And one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is actually a gift and a resource that can, among other things, help us in the moments when we feel overwhelmed or like Linda Richmond, maybe we are feeling a little verklempt. Uh, today, as we are wrapping up this series on the spiritual gifts, we're going to talk about uh, a gift that helps us in the moments when we don't have the right words. And God is so good that as he gifted us the spiritual gifts, he gave us a gift, in fact, two sister gifts that we're going to talk about today that help us in those moments. You can see about it in Romans chapter 8 when Paul writes to the Christians in Rome. He says, the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. He's talking about all the different ways the Holy Spirit helps or empowers the believer. He says, because we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We've talked about seven of the nine spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, you can see them listed here on the screen. Uh, we hear from Paul that the Holy Spirit gives gifts of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment of spirits. Uh, that is one category. Paul doesn't put them in categories, but scholars of Scripture have put them in these categories for our ability to study them and talk about how, they in, how we can engage them in our lives. We've studied the gift of faith. We actually took a couple of weeks to talk about faith and the gift of miracles and healing. We've talked about prophecy last Sunday, and now as we're wrapping up this series, we're going to learn about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, we're going to talk about these two gifts together at the same time because they are so intertwined together. And we're also going to spend some time talking about this today in, uh, in a bit of a kind of lecture 
teaching tone today more than a preaching tone because these gifts are often overly complicated. They, there's a lot of, uh, how, how else do I say this? Sometimes the way we talk about tongues is just a little wonky. It's a little weird. And some people get nervous about the gift of tongues because we feel like, well, all sorts of different reasons. But among the reasons that we uh, feel like tongues is weird, it's just people say things that aren't actually scriptural, that you can't, you know, look, we just make stuff up about the gift of tongues, and then we say, well, that's how God feels about it, and that's not actually what you can find in the Bible. So our goal today is to bring a little clarity to the conversation about the gift of tongues. Now, I am not going to give you the exhaustive everything you ever need to know about tongues and interpretation of tongues. You can maybe consider this an introduction to these gifts today, but my hope is that when you walk out of here, if you have thought of these gifts as something that is just a little too weird for me to want to engage in, that we remove some of that weirdness. Now, that said, the kingdom of God is mysterious. And there are certain things that can only be approached and engaged in about the kingdom of God with what Jesus calls a childlike faith. We are invited to come into the fullness of the kingdom as children. And so we want to hold the balance as people who are studying gifts like tongues and say we want to understand everything that we can understand about the gift of tongues, but we also want to embrace the reality that some things are just mysterious, that some things are beyond our ability to understand, but just because we don't fully understand every nuance and detail about something doesn't mean that we're not invited to engage in that thing. We talked about that a little bit last week with prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues is very uh, much uh, one of those or, or another example of a gift like that. So those are some things that we would just say as disclaimers, right? We understand the kingdom of God is mysterious, but we also understand that we have an invitation to embrace things like tongues with a childlike faith. Okay, now we've said kind of set the tone. Let's do what we've been doing for the last time during this series. Let's pause before we move forward to make sure that we define our terms. So again today, at the end of that list uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives us these gifts, the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues included in his list of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. And so the definition of these terms, in fact, you should be able to see both of those definitions right there on the screen for you. We'll just read them to get, uh, I'll read them for you. But the gift of tongues is a spontaneous Holy Spirit inspired utterance using a person's own will. That's an important distinction. Using a person's own will and voice in partnership with the Holy Spirit to speak syllables or words not previously learned by the speaker. And then the gift of the interpretation of tongues is the sister gift, which, uh, in, depending on the context, we'll talk about that today. You'll understand what I mean by that, depending on the context. The gift of interpretation of tongues is required, and it can be defined as the supernatural ability to understand what is spoken in tongues and communicate for the understanding of the intended audience. So a good rule of thumb about interpretation of tongues is this. This is the rule of thumb for the gift of interpretation of tongues. Every single time tongues is spoken, the audience must understand what is being said. That is a rule of thumb. Every single time tongues is spoken, it is required and it, God expects that the audience of that tongues, let me give you, uh, uh, clarify what I mean by the audience of the tongue. The audience of what I'm saying right now is you because you're listening to it. And it's what I'm saying is designed 
for and directed towards you. So there's an audience for it. The audience of our worship this morning as the, as the praise team was up here leading us was not you. The audience of that was God. So you can see how, depending on the moment that we're in, the audience it may be different. The same is true for tongues. And the rule of thumb for tongues is that whoever the audience is, in each moment tongues is engaged or expressed, the audience must understand it. And that's where the gift of interpretation will come in. So that's your rule of thumb. We'll review that again a little bit later. But because there's some strange stuff out there. Let's just clarify what the gift of tongues is not. We've defined the term a little bit. I've offered you some definitions. Let's talk about what this gift is not. (laughs) Number one, the gift of tongues is not required as proof that you are saved or spirit-filled. Now, you may have heard somebody say to you that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not spirit-filled. The way that we know that you're spirit-filled is you speak in tongues. You might even have heard in some more extreme Pentecostal environments where people would say, if you don't speak in tongues, we don't even think you're a real Christian. Uh, I actually have heard people say, uh, here are the requirements to be a member of a a local church. Not this church, but I've heard people say the requirements to be a a member of certain churches is you must be uh, a professing Christian, water baptized, and speaking in tongues. Otherwise, you're just not a, not a full Christian. Now, I just want you to know there is zero biblical evidence for those ideas. Uh, that is something that is made up. That is not biblical. Uh, saying that you are not saved if you don't pray in tongues is the same as saying that you're not saved if you don't own a paper Bible. Now, do you need a paper Bible? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you should have one of these. You should open it up, tear it up, mark it up, highlight stuff right in the margins. You you really need the Word of God. Can you be a Christian if you don't own a paper Bible? Yeah, because the gospel isn't uh, tell people about the book and make sure they go to Barnes & Noble and buy one. That's not the gospel. And in the same way, you don't need the gift of tongues to be saved. You need salvation by the name of Jesus Christ alone to be saved. Okay? Now, being spirit-filled, there is evidence. We call these things signs and wonders. And one of the evidences, plural, of being spirit-filled is speaking in tongues. Another one of the evidence is, plural, is laying hands on the sick and people being healed. Prophesying in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit because you are filled by the Holy Spirit. So I, I just want you to understand that when people elevate the gift of tongues and say it's the one out of all of the spiritual gifts, it's the one that marks whether or not you're spirit filled or saved, there is no biblical evidence to ele- elevate tongues out from among the rest of the gifts. Why wouldn't we do that for the rest of the gifts? Why wouldn't we say, if you've never prophesied, you're not a Christian or you're not spirit-filled, but we do that for tongues? No biblical evidence for that. It's actually not supported in Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not an important gift, but it is not essential to your salvation. Okay. Second thing, tongues is not the Holy Spirit taking over your mouth. Tongues is not the Holy Spirit taking over your mouth. The only spirit that will ever take over a person and force them to do uh, something that they do not want to do or are not choosing to do is a demonic spirit. The demonic spirit is seeking to take away your will to force you to do things that are against the glory and honor of God. 
But God is so committed to your free will so that your choice to partner with him and love him and be engaged in the fullness of his kingdom actually matters because you are a free person in Christ, that he would never bind you back up in order to force you to do something that you didn't choose to do. So speaking in tongues is not the Holy Spirit possessing you and making your tongue move. We'll talk about how it works then because we're going to have to answer the question, well, if it's not the Holy Spirit forcing me to say stuff that isn't in English or in my native language, then what is it? Well, it is not possession. It is a partnership with the free will of God. People decide to pray in tongues as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And just a, 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 one of many places where we would understand in Scripture why this is a biblical idea of how the Holy Spirit works. In John 14, 16, uh, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit taking over my mouth and forcing me to say things that I didn't partner with him to say or will for him to say, that doesn't sound very comforting. That sounds like control and manipulation, and God does not ever function in that way. A third thing, tongues is not limited to a select few special people. Tongues was given to spirit-filled followers of Jesus on the first day of the church. We call that the day of Pentecost. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2. We believe that, uh, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh in the last days and that we're still living in those last days. And so we have no biblical support to say that tongues is not still a gift for today. If you believe that healings still happen, then you should also equally believe that tongues still happens because they're in the same list of gifts. Amen? Uh, Jack Hayford, who was at one point the president of our denomination, our Foursquare denomination, he was the pastor of Church on the Way in Van Nuys for a good number of years. Uh, He's a, a scholar and an author. He once said in a sermon on the gift of tongues, he said, spiritual language was available to everyone on the day the church was born, and there's no reason to doubt that the, as the church continues, it is available to all believers regardless of when they receive Jesus Christ. So there's, there's no, uh, no scriptural evidence that would say that if you got saved 2,000 years ago, you get a gift that if you got saved in 2022, you don't get anymore. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you get all of the gifts available to you. Now, how do you get this gift? The same way we get any other gift. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to his church as he sees fit. The Holy Spirit has his, a, a mind and a will and desires, and he sees things better than we see things, and he knows what gifts Kristen needs in each moment. And so Kristen, as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus, will be gifted maybe for every day in her, her entire life. God will give her a specific gift or a set of gifts, and maybe in different seasons, Kristen will walk into an environment, and the Holy Spirit will say, now you need this gift for this moment even if that's outside of your normal experience or expression. Now, that's not up to Kristen to decide. That's up to the Holy Spirit to decide, right? Okay, so we've talked about a definition. We've talked about what tongues is not. But you might still be asking, what is the gift of tongues? Now, if you are a student of Scripture, and this is, by the way, I've already talked for like 10 minutes and not opened the Bible yet. So let's make this a legal sermon, uh, and let's, let's look at some... Let's look at the Bible a little bit. If you turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8, I want to share with you two ways that we can understand the expressions of the gift of tongues. There are uh, two, depending on who, who you ask, you might even make an argument that there are three expressions of the gift of tongues, but we're going to take two of those expressions, marry them together today. You'll understand what I mean by that. Um, but let's, let's talk about the gift of tongues in its 
in its two expressions. Uh, that was fun, walk around the whiteboard like that. I should do that more often. Um, let's talk about these expressions. Everybody say praying. praying. And now say speaking. speaking. Do you know the difference between these two things? Okay, I'm currently doing one of them. Which one am I currently doing? Okay, if I stop talking to you and I stop talking to God, what am I doing then? You can say, guys, are so smart. You know the difference between praying and speaking. Okay, good. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, I read this verse to you a few moments ago. It says, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. What Paul is talking about here, by the way, he talks about several other things in this context, but this is a reference and a mention of the function of what we would call praying, praying in tongues. When you're talking to God and you don't have the words for it, you don't know what to say because you're so overwhelmed or, or you don't fully know what the will of God in this situation is, but you want to make sure you pray the will of God in this situation, then praying in tongues is this. It is the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes. Now, the Spirit himself, think about what Paul is saying there. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself, he intercedes for you on your behalf, through your mouth. What does that sound like? It sounds like inexpressible groanings. Now, one of the expressions of tongues is a, what we call a prayer language. So prayer, praying in, we call that praying in tongues. You might also call that praying in the Spirit. If you've been around uh, 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 ch the church world for a little bit, maybe you've heard that expression. Paul tells us that he prays and he worships God in his understanding. That means he does that in his native tongue and language that he understands. And he also prays in the Spirit. And he worships God in the Spirit. And Paul also then goes further in 1 Corinthians 14 to begin to explain to us what uh, is the purpose of praying in tongues. So here's what he says, starting in verse uh, 2, for the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Now, Paul goes on a little bit. Remember last week we talked about prophecy, and I had said to you, we're going to kind of do something we don't normally do and pull text out of its context a little bit. Um, we're not pulling that out of its context because we want to ignore the rest of what he's saying. Let's understand Paul's talking about tongues and prophecy here. Uh, so Paul says, on the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouragement and consolation. Now, do you see the distinction here? He's talking about tongues is directed at God. So who's the audience in this context that Paul is talking about? The person who speaks in tongues in this context is speaking to God. We would call that praying in the Spirit. The person who prophesies, they're speaking to the church, for the church is building up. Listen to my sermon about, about prophecy from last week if you want to know more about that. He goes on to say the person who speaks in tongues builds himself up. So interestingly, you're, by the way, not the audience of, of praying in tongues, but you are a benefactor. You get the benefits of praying in tongues. You build yourself up. Just like prayer, by the way, is designed to build you up. 
the person who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues. I'm so glad Paul wrote that. I wish all of you spoke in tongues. But even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesied is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So for clarity, Paul is using the word speak here instead of the word pray. If we were to understand the context, uh, we can understand a lot of times we see the word praying and speaking kind of interchangeably in Scripture. Uh, So if you really want to be a, a stickler about the original language, you might say, well, Paul's actually saying the word speaking there, Tim. Why are you making a distinction? I'm making a distinction because in our English language and in the way that we currently engage in tongues is the same way that Paul engaged in tongues then, but our language has changed. And so it's helpful for us to make sure we understand the distinction, not of the gift, but of the way we express or engage the gift. So there's nuance here. We want to make sure we are clear about that. So praying in tongues, we see that in that moment, the primary audience is God. The secondary audience can be yourself. You are built up as you pray in tongues. So this is a function of prayer. As you pray, you are built up. The purpose of praying in tongues then is to build up your own life, to be encouraged, to be edified, and to speak directly to God in prayer in ways that go beyond your ability to understand. Have you ever prayed for something and you just say, God, I I don't even have the words right. I don't even know what the right thing to pray would be. This is a purpose, a function of the gift of tongues. Now, another expression of tongues is speaking in tongues. Now, I mentioned this a few moments ago, but the first This gift was first seen on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It says they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues. That is actually probably best translated by saying they began to speak in different languages, although it's this similar, uh, it's, a, it's a cousin word to what we would translate as tongues. And they did this, they began to speak in different tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now we begin to see how this played out. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. What does, what does that mean? That means that there are people here whose native language is different from maybe the person they're standing next to. There was, there was a reason for that. There was a, a gathering where people were coming in from all around different nations, carrying different languages with them. Uh, we might refer to that as different heart languages, the, the language of their heart. Uh, my mom speaks in English, but she is German, grew up in Germany, so her heart language, her native tongue is German, even though when you talk to her, she would speak to you in English, unless she's going to say something about you that she doesn't want you to understand. Um, <laughs> which would never happen to you, but it used to happen to me a lot when I was a kid. Um, So verse 6 says, When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in their own language. So Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to go away, and it's good that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. He'll be an advocate and a helper, and he'll give you power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses all around the world. And part of that empowerment is this gift of tongues, this gift of heavenly language, or the ability to speak words that uh, are not necessarily your native language. Now, I want you to notice, 
the audience here was not simply God. Was, was God glorified? Yeah, if we dig into that moment, what they were actually doing was praising God in that moment. So they were giving praise. But there was this other audience all of a sudden. And the other audience was all this great crowd of people who spoke all of these different heart languages. And what they heard in their ear and what they were able to understand was these guys were praising God and saying words in their heart language. And then the guy next to them goes, what do you mean that's in your heart language? That's in my heart language. And they speak two different languages back home. And so, so what was happening there was God was actually interpreting the tongue himself. Remember our rule of thumb? The audience must always understand. The gift of interpretation is so that the audience must always understand. So speaking in tongues, in this context, the way we're going to use this language here to understand what tongues is, there's praying in tongues, I'm praying directly to God. I'm being built up and edified, and thank God for that. Speaking in tongues is what we would call the public expression of the gift of tongues. Now, certainly God is going to be hearing that thing, that expression of tongues, those things, words, sounds that you are saying, and and, and he, because he's God, is going to understand the, the meaning of the language that he gave you. But the hearers, the audience, whoever the audience is, must understand it. There must be an interpretation. And so the Holy Spirit, in this moment, did the interpretation himself. So the gift of tongues, prayed or spoken, is a gift of supernatural language. Now, I've mentioned this kind of rule of thumb a couple of times now. Let's begin to actually root that into Scripture. So we were reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 a few moments ago. Let's jump back into that in verse 5. Remember where he says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied? He says, the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. In verse 6, so now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I, unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? In other words, he's saying, how is what I say to you going to be any benefit unless you can understand what I'm saying? Verse 7, even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes... How will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? Andrew is a really good guitar player. Angie agrees with me. So, Andrew and his wife and I agree, Andrew's a very good guitar player. Andrew's up here playing the guitar, and there are, there are lead guitar bits in the songs that we did today. And if you've been around the church for a little while and you know some of the songs that we're doing, as soon as Andrew begins to play the, the riff or the lead bit of the guitar on, for that song, your memory is triggered. You automatically understand the moment that we're in. You automatically have clarity But if Andrew just stands up here and he's got a job to do, he's supposed to lead us into this one song, right? And and this one song has a really specific guitar bit, and he just goes, Yeah, get out of here, buddy. Uh, That's not helpful at all, right? Andrew understands the importance of clarity. Paul is telling us even musicians get this. You can, 
You can bang on a drum or make noises with a harp or a cymbal or a guitar. You can make incoherent noises, but clarity really matters. Otherwise, how will you understand the moment that you're in? How will you understand the kind of response we are invited to give to God unless the guitar player tells us through sound, what, through clarity, what we are supposed to be singing or preparing to sing right now? Paul says this, right? If, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speak, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. How will the church be able to know what they're supposed to understand about God unless somebody comes and teaches them the word? How will we understand the brand new ways to engage in the kingdom of God in the world unless somebody comes and gives a clear prophecy? So Paul is saying, regardless of your engagement of tongues, in the moments when the church is the audience, clarity is required. He goes on to say, there are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. This is important. Remember that. Every language has meaning. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Paul, again here, is not saying uh, don't seek or pursue or desire the gift of tongues to be functioning in the church and maybe even in your own life. But he is saying, however the gift of tongues is engaged in the church when it's engaged in public we always pursue clarity why do we pursue clarity because clarity builds up the church clarity gives us an opportunity to hear what god is saying paul is saying language like musical instruments are powerful when the music is played clearly the same is true for our heavenly language and language in our understanding if we don't speak the same language we will be like foreigners to each other so Paul wants us to pray and speak in tongues, but more than that, what does he want? Clarity. Clarity. He wants us to engage in clear language, just like prophecy does. So this is where we can begin to answer the question, how does tongues actually work? Raise your hand if you have ever played the game Scrabble. Scrabble players? Okay. I, I didn't bring Scrabble with me today because those tiles are very small, but that's part of why this whiteboard is here. Okay, now, can you just do me a favor, Marcus? Come up here. Um, did you raise your hand? Have you played Scrabble? You said... <laughs> you sounded really not confident. You've played this game, right? Okay, so you know what Scrabble is. Like, the tool of Scrabble is there's a board, and then you also have the tiles of the letters, right? Can you do me a favor? If we were going to do this with Scrabble tiles, we'd just dump a bunch of Scrabble tiles out here, and I would just say, can you just pick a bunch of random letters? Can you just, from the Scrabble tiles, which just so you know, because you felt un unsure, there are how many letters in the English language? 26. 26. You're making me so nervous right now. Does anybody else want to come and help me with this illustration? Uh, so there's, there's 20. Say 26. There's 26 letters in the English language. You're messing me up, buddy. Can you, as if you were just randomly picking tiles out of a bag for Scrabble, can you just write a bunch of random letters, just in order, right along here, just random letters right here on the board, nice and big so everyone can see them. Marcus is demonstrating uh, for us his own willpower. You understand? 
He's, he's demonstrating his own willpower. He is choosing the letters that he is, that he is writing on the board. Marcus, pause right there. Okay, now, r right here, that's going to be fun to say. Uh, now, right here in this box, will you write the word pain? Pain. You know how to spell the word pain, right? Help, help him, Life Church. I, I. Okay. Can you write the word? Can you write the word healing in that next box? ING, bro. <laughs> wow. This is good, right? Give it up for Marcus. He can spell. I, I love this right here. I love the switch from capital letters to lowercase letters. Right. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. Try to get out of here. How many letters do you have in the English language? Right, okay, 26, it's 26. Who chooses, when you say your name, when you say, hi, how are you today, when you speak in your understanding, who chooses how to arrange those letters? You do, right? You do. When I ask Marcus to write the word pain on the whiteboard, he chose how to write that word on the whiteboard, correct? Yeah. Now, he exercised his will to write a word. The question is, in speaking in tongues and praying in tongues, the question of how this works is not, does Marcus, when he prays or speaks in his understanding, versus when he prays or speaks in, in tongues, does he surrender his will? He still has the will. He's still willfully choosing the arrangement of the letters. Correct? And then when he says this word or this word out loud, he is choosing then to do a second step. He's arranging the, the letters in a specific order, but then because of his understanding, when Marcus says the word healing, say healing. Healing. He is infusing meaning into a specific arrangement of 26 otherwise random symbols. Taken outside of their English context, taken outside of our understanding, these are just random letters. In fact, Marcus, now let's do another experiment. Can you... Now, you may never have actually done this before. Can you, can you write... <laughs> I don't know why you did that, but it... You just wanted another, another uh, vowel in there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to figure this out right now. Uh, right down here in red, can you, this, might, this is going to be challenging for you, and, and I, but I'm, I understand I'm putting you on the spot. Now, I happen to know that you pray in the Spirit. Can you, to the best of your ability, write what you think it would look like if you were to write just a, one common phrase as you pray in the Spirit? I know that's a challenge. Now, no one's going to check your spelling. Except the Holy Spirit on this one. 
I'm going to check your spelling on healing. I'm still trying to figure out why you went caps to lowercase. No, buddy. Get, move on to the next assignment. Uh, just right here. As Marcus is writing, just give it your best shot. The like phonetic, what do I think it would look like if I were to write out what it sounds like when I pray in the spirit? He said, oh gosh. I recognize that I'm putting Marcus on the spot, but this is actually going to be helpful for us. When I am speaking to you right now, I am exercising my free will to use the 26 letters that I have available to you, to me, to you. Each of us has these symbols and sounds, and because we speak the same language, he's trying to figure it out right now as I'm talking. You're watching him try to figure it out. Um, because we each have the same 26 letters, the same 26 letters make up sounds as we mix them into specific words, and then we can partner those words that are made up of 26 letters uh, into what we call sentences. We can partner sentences together to create paragraphs. And as I am saying all of this to you, it is my choice to make those words and letters mean what I want them to mean because I'm exercising my will. As Marcus... No, 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 you don't need all 26 letters. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's, that's a good guess, right? Yeah. Um, as, as Marcus, stand here with me for a second. I'm, I'm not going to ask you because we don't want to be performative here, but uh, as Marcus is praying in the spirit, this is, this, if he was going to be forced to write it, and I think there's a reason why God never says write down your tongues. Um, notice how there are letters of the English language here. Let me ask you this question. When Marcus is praying that, who's infusing the meaning into the prayer? The Holy Spirit. God. If I'm praying in my understanding, I might come to God. I have 26 letters. That's not all of them. But I have 26 letters at my disposal. And I can say, God, today I'm experiencing pain. It's important that I come with clarity. Today I understand this. God, today I understand that what I need in response to my pain is this. I need healing. Would you offer me healing? How can I know how to pray that? Because I understand the word that God teaches me. I have understanding that in response to pain, God offers healing. So this isn't outside of my ability to understand and my ability to infuse meaning into my prayer. And God wants us to bring our desires to him in prayer and say, God, this is my need. I understand what's wrong and what I need. But there are other times where we say, God, I don't want to be the one who is choosing what I'm praying about right now because I believe that your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. You understand things better than I do, and you see solutions better than I do. And I'm not even convinced that I know all of the nuance of the problem that I'm facing right now. So what I'm going to do is take all of the same 26 letters and sounds and ability to make utterance, and I'm going to just release all of my will, childlike faith, in the mystery of the kingdom of heaven and believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can actually take the groanings that do not make any sense to my understanding or my ear and you can infuse meaning because you know what healing would look like for me in this circumstance. And that is what it means to pray in the Spirit. Can we say thank you for Mark, to Marcus for enduring this painful illustration? So praying in tongues is like offering the same 26 letters to the Holy Spirit, offering him the sounds of our mouth, perhaps randomly or perhaps in a specific utterance. Like this is, I, I, 
I, I know what it sounds like when Marcus is praying in the Spirit. I've been in the room with him on many occasions he's praying in the Spirit. This is Marcus just randomly selecting some letters. This is him praying in the Spirit. There's a language that develops. Now, what Marcus knows is that the Holy Spirit is praying through him in that moment because he's received the gift of tongues. Now, that doesn't sound at all like the Holy Spirit takes over Marcus and he no longer has a will in the moment. What it sounds like is the God who created your heart and language itself is the best person to give over the right to define what my prayer should be. When my ability to pray for a thing in specific English language and in my understanding is at its limit, I have an infinite range of other ways that I can pray. If I would surrender my, the meaning of my prayer to the God who I pray to. I mean, think about this. Have you, have you ever found parents in the room, grandparents in the room, anybody who's ever spent any time with a child, have you ever found a child, particularly a young person, who is trying to express something to you and you know before they know how to finish the sentence and you just have a choice to make? Am I going to let you never finish the sentence or am I going to try to help you say what you're trying to say is you would really like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Now, we do this for children. There are moments when children's language and ability to understand how words work comes to an end. And as loving adults and parents and grandparents and mentors for children, we will help them finish a thought. Why is it hard that we would understand that the God of the universe who created your ability to speak and pray to him would not want to help you finish a thought? I'm not saying that there, are, there is nothing about the gift of tongues that isn't mysterious. There are many things about the gift of tongues that is mysterious. How does God do that? How did he make you? How did Jesus get resurrected from the dead? How did God speak and there was light? You understand and believe these things without having to fully understand them. So I invite you into the mystery. You don't have to get every detail. You're invited to come with childlike faith. Praying in tongues is the moments where we, where we, as God, as the audience, speak directly to God in prayer and allow him to infuse the meaning or to insert the meaning into our prayer. That does not mean he takes over our will. It is a partnership by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think that sounds weird, be a child. Be a kid. And then remember Romans 8. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Jack Hayford, who I quoted to you a few moments ago, I heard him talking about this once, and he said, you know, I pray in the Spirit, and I pray in my understanding every day. 
and he said, I'll begin to pray in the spirit. Before I pray in my understanding, I'll begin to pray in the spirit. And he said, the closest thing to an awareness that I have about what I'm hoping will pray in this, as I pray in the spirit, that I'm hoping will happen is that before I pray in my understanding, God will say through my own mouth what he would like me to say before I pray in my understanding. And then I pray in my understanding, and then I pray in the Spirit again at the end because there's a good chance that in my limited understanding of what is going on that I somehow missed the mark. So I surrender the moment of prayer back over to God, and I pray in the Spirit to end my time in prayer because there's a good chance I've missed it, and I just, he said, I just want God to have an opportunity to fix anything I prayed that was wrong. That's pretty beautiful, right? That's, but that's a good, a good practice. So he prays in the spirit and he prays in his understanding. Now, this is also where the gift of interpretation needs to come in. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. He says, therefore, a person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if, a prayer in, for if I pray in tongues, my, uh, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And then he goes on further down in verse 26. Whenever you come together, so like this moment right now, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is done for what purpose? Building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, so in a setting like this, if anyone speaks in a tongue, now I'm going to draw the clarity here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, who's the audience? The church. Can you be in a public setting and pray in tongues? Yeah, I was doing it today during worship. But I, I didn't speak in tongues because you weren't the audience when I was right there on the front row. That was just between me and God. If my mommy overheard me because she was sitting next to me, okay. But she wasn't the audience. You understand? If anyone speaks in a tongue, there are to be only two or at the most three, he's saying, don't go crazy with this, guys. Like, remember the purpose. When we get together, the purpose is clarity, understanding for the building of the church. Don't spend your whole time speaking in tongues to each other. He says, and, here's the real kicker, and let someone interpret. Let someone interpret. This is a requirement, but he's also saying, make sure you give space to let, to allow, to give permission and breathing room for somebody to interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So tongues is put in contextual order here by Paul. Prophecy is best because it builds up the church. In other words, clarity is best because it builds up the church. But tongues is an important gift because it builds us up unless a tongue is interpreted or translated into our ability to understand it because then it builds up the church. I've said this before, but Paul is not saying tongues is not important. He's telling us, here's how you engage it in public. So the goal of the church gathering is that everyone is able to be built up, which is why Paul is saying speaking in tongues requires an interpretation. So let me remind you of the definition of interpretation. The gift of the interpretation of tongues is the supernatural ability to understand what is spoken in tongues in public and to communicate for the understanding of the intended audience. In Acts chapter 2, who did the interpretation? The Holy Spirit's like, I got this. Instantaneous interpretation. Who was the intended audience? The public gathering. In Acts chapter 2, there was an interpretation. It was just that the Holy Spirit did it directly. 
There are expressions of the gift of tongues when the Holy Spirit will directly interpret. And what that looks and sounds like is Marcus is praying in tongues, and what it actually will sound like to the person hearing that the Holy Spirit is doing the interpreting for is it'll sound like they can understand it in their, in their heart language. And then if the Holy Spirit doesn't do the interpreting work, Paul told us what to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let someone interpret. Let someone interpret. Who's a someone? Well, if it's not the Holy Spirit, it's got to be one of us if we're here gathered. So someone who heard the tongue will then be given the gift of interpretation. And so just for context, this is how we have done this at Life Church. This has happened on many occasions as I've been the pastor of this church where somebody during, usually during worship, because the Holy Spirit isn't disruptive, he would, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit uh, interrupt a sermon to give a, a word in tongues. But there would be a moment like during worship where there's space for it, where the Holy Spirit would say, now I have something to say, and this is the moment for that. And I love, by the way, that we put worship before the word, because if the Holy Spirit wants to interrupt the moment and say something, then it's before I'm talking so that we can go, if we need to call an audible on the whole day and change the whole plan because the Holy Spirit uh, wants to say something different, well, Holy Spirit, we're going to let you talk before Tim. Thank God. But here, <laughs> Angie agreed with that point just as much as she agreed that her husband is a good guitar player. <laughs> here's how this has played out at Life Church. We have seen multiple times where a person during the worship moment, maybe, and I love how incredible the Holy Spirit is, that there's, there are these moments where even, like, I've seen Pastor Danny up here leading worship and just feel the nudge or the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Hey, give some space here. I've been in moments where, where I'll be in the room and I'll just begin to sense that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to say something to the church today. And so even right there, even if I'm not leading, I'll just begin to pray in the Spirit or I'll, or I'll pray in my understanding, God, if there's something you want to say to us, if, if I'm hearing that correctly in my spirit today, then speak to your church. And if there's something that you want to say through me to the church, then I'm listening. And what's wild is that then in, in some moments, there will be somebody somewhere in the room who will, as, as the Holy Spirit is leading us together, that somebody will begin to speak out or sing out in tongues. And the way we do that in, the, in this church, because we've studied Scripture and we try to listen to the teaching that we've received from the Word and be obedient to the Lord, is that we will then say, and maybe you've been in the room, uh, we'll say there's a tongue that is given publicly, everybody in the room hears it, and then whoever's leading in that moment, maybe you've heard Pastor Danny say here at Life Church, when somebody speaks publicly in tongues, we believe that there is an interpretation in the room. And so we're going to give a moment right now for an interpretation to come. Now, sometimes that, Danny doesn't even get a chance to say that because the interpretation is immediate. And sometimes we sit and we listen. Now, I have never at Life Church been in a moment where somebody has been led by the Holy Spirit to speak out in public in tongues and there hasn't been an interpretation in the room. But just so you know, we're this committed to it, that if that ever happened, what we would actually do from the stage is we would then say, Paul also teaches us in 1 Corinthians that when there is not an interpretation given to a tongue, that we are either missing the Holy Spirit or we need to continue to wait. Now, I've, I've waited for 10 minutes for an interpretation before, and we'll wait. Or we'll have the very uncomfortable but loving conversation with the person who spoke out and say, hey, next time you feel that, maybe here are some coaching tips 
Maybe here's how we can partner together with the church. Or we can say, what were you feeling or thinking or hearing? What, what led you to speak out publicly? And then they might say something like, oh, I was absolutely convinced. They might say, I realize now that I, that, that I actually should have been silent. Because that's what Paul says, right? He says, if, if there's no interpretation, then the person who spoke in tongues should be silent. Now, I, I want to be clear. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean there's no correction for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is possible for us to get, get it wrong. With tongues, just as much as it's been possible for me to get it wrong in a, in a sermon, as I'm speaking in my understanding. And so when a person speaks out of turn, just for the record, I have not ever had to do this as a pastor, but this is how we would handle it. We would take that person aside and say, what were you experiencing? My goodness, it's so amazing that you had the gift of faith in that moment to speak out. What if your faith caused you to take action that wasn't partnering with God's timing or intention? What if God actually wanted to speak through you in English and not in tongues? What do you think God was saying to the church? There's all kinds of different questions. What we would never do is say, never speak again. Have you ever laid hands on someone to, get, uh, to, to see healing, to get them healed, and they weren't healed? Did that cause you to create a theology that says, I am the one person in the world that God never wants to have lay hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed? Some of you were like, yes. Can I just say that's just as bad of theology as saying if I miss it in speaking in tongues that I should never speak in tongues again. If God didn't know that we were going to miss it sometimes with the gifts, you know he would have given the gifts to angels and not us? You're going to miss it. Breathe. Miss it. Have fun. Why? Because we're invited to be like kids. Have your kids missed it ever at anything? Did you murder them? Did you tell them, please never speak again? If you did, you need counseling. <laughs> we can help you. But it's interesting how much we condemn ourselves when we miss something. I think the church should be a place where we should play with the gifts. And the mystery of childlike faith connected to tongues and interpretation it's going to put us in some situations where we are going to have to have some chats. Awesome. You know what that means? It means you're trying. It means you're believing. It means that you're thinking, what if God would do and say something through me? That's beautiful. That's awesome. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's have fun in God's kingdom. Now, having fun does not give you permission to break the rules. There are rules Right? Parents, I want my kids to have fun. I don't want them to burn my house down. There are rules. And within the boundaries of the rules, have fun. Yes? Okay. All right. Good. Good. There is no exception. Let me say this to you again. There is no exception to the rule of thumb for tongues. Every single time tongues is spoken in public, the audience must understand what is being said. But also, every single time tongues is prayed, the audience must understand. The advantage of prayer is that the audience is the one who gave the tongue the meaning. It's God. So if the audience is God, you don't need an interpretation. If the audience is another person, you need an interpretation. And another just pro tip, if you receive a word and what you 
pray is in the Spirit, but you also immediately have the interpretation, just cut out the middleman and say it in English. We call that prophecy. That's, a, that's another gift. Interpretation is a function of prophecy. The goal is that we understand. So we know what tongues and interpretation is, but why do we do it? Let's wrap up with these quick statements. Why do we engage the gift of tongues? 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, verse 4 says to build ourselves up, to be built up. We engage in the gift of tongues to be built up. Romans 8, 26, we engage in the gift of tongues because we don't always know what to pray for. In Romans 8, 27, we pray in the gift of tongues to ensure 100% that we are praying God's will. Now, I could take another 20 minutes and give you a bunch of pro tips on how and what it would look like and all of that, but we'll try to find some other creative ways to get that information out to you. I think what we really want to do as we wrap up is understand this, some final thoughts for you. Ultimately, the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues, just like all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are evidences and signs of the love of God for his church. God loves you. He loves the world. He wants to speak to you and through you to the world. Amen? But I think in love also comes the idea of intimacy. When I think about the gift of tongues for the church, I think about how this is a sign that God wants to have an intimate relationship. My wife and I say things to each other that we don't say to anyone else. We've been married for almost 20 years. We have a language with each other. There is an intimacy about the way we speak to each other. And I want that to be true infinitely more about the way I speak to the Savior of my soul. We are invited in the gift of tongues, just like in the other spiritual gifts, into an intimate relationship with God. And finally, interpretation of tongues reminds us that God is not the author of confusion. Tongues is mysterious. The kingdom of heaven is mysterious. But when tongues is a gift for the entire church, God does not want his people to be left in the dark. So we're invited into intimacy. And we're invited into clarity to actually understand what God is saying to the church. And even when God is saying things to the church that are mysterious, we understand God is saying something mysterious here. Let's sit with it and see if God gives us understanding or if he just calls us to walk in obedience. So whether you speak or pray in tongues or not, these gifts are an invitation to hold on to childlike wonder of God. Like Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, God says this about himself, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We do not need to understand everything, but we should be in awe of the God who does understand everything. So as we move to the end of our time today, we're going to have some friends, leaders come to the front and uh, pray. And if you are one of those people who over the last couple of weeks has been coming to the front and offering yourself to pray for people and with people, I'd like to invite you to come up and do that uh, right now. Uh, so Pastor Mark is coming up. Espy's coming up. Mom, will you guys come up as well? Uh, Chris and Mark, will you guys come up as well? Greg and Tammy, good. We've got several people who are available. Marcus, thank you. Um, 
several people who are here available to pray with you and for you. Now, the practice every week has been if you need prayer for anything at all, these people are here to pray with you. We are wrapping up. You guys are all crowded over there. Why don't you make some space right over this way? <laughs> Slide on down. Good. Uh, we've been making the practice during this series as we talk about spiritual gifts to remind you that spiritual gifts are available to every follower of Jesus who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you might have heard this sermon today as an invitation into intimacy with God, and you might say, I need to go up and talk and pray with somebody because I need to re-engage my relationship with Jesus. These people are going to be here to pray with you about that today. Maybe you have never prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would just like to remind you that receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is easier than catching a football. All you have to do is say, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the name of Jesus to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's it. It's not whether or not you catch the ball. It's whether or not you ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Maybe you would come up here and say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I have a, a, a question about spiritual gifts. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit and would love to talk and pray with you. But before we do that, before we dismiss you, there are two other things that I want us to practice together today. Uh, first, there will be a prayer on the screen that we'll pray together. That's been our practice. We'll do that one final time for this series to pray that prayer together today. But before we do that, the, the first practice that I want us to engage together now is together to pray. You see, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the church as they gathered together in a unified heart to pray. And so what I want to invite us to do is to set the same tone right here in this moment. So uh, myself and our friends up here in the front, we're going to pray right along with you, but right where you are at. Can we take a moment? And, and when I say pray in this moment, by the way, in this context and in this setting, I want to invite, maybe even challenge you if this feels like a challenge, to pray as I say pray. Pray with your mouth out loud. Pray in whatever your heart language is. If you already are a person who prays in the Spirit, we would welcome you to pray in the Spirit as well. But can we intentionally and in our heart language pray first, giving honor and praise to God? In fact, because we are praying to give honor and praise to God, can we stand at attention before the Lord of heaven? And right where you are at, can you, in your own words, just begin to give praise and honor to God? If that feels like a foreign thing to you, I would just invite you to say, you can say this same phrase over and over if you want. You can say, God, I give you honor and praise today. Or God, I recognize that you are the King of Kings. You can say, God, I love you. I give all of my life to you. I put all of my trust and faith and hope in you. God, I praise you and I worship you. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. Right now in your own words, can you give some honor and some praise to God? Now, in whatever area you would need to do this today, can you invite the presence and the love of Jesus into your life in a new way today? Jesus, I welcome you to be the Savior of my life, the, the King of my life, and not just the King, but the Lord of my life. You are the ultimate authority over my life, and you are also the shot caller of my life. God, I surrender my entire life to you. I give over my love to you. I invite you to be the King and the Lord and the Savior of my entire life. Now asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us, even right where you are at, as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, to say, Holy Spirit, 
praying now to you, I invite you to fill my life. Empower me with your gifts. Call and send me to your purpose, but begin with filling my life with your presence, Holy Spirit. And again, let's put our words towards honoring and giving praise to Jesus, to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Father, we honor you. Can you again put some words of praise and honor to the Father? Father, we honor you for your faithfulness. Jesus, we honor you for your loving kindness, your sacrificial example of love, your unending love. Father, we honor you for the wisdom that you have that passes all of our understanding. Holy Spirit, we honor and praise you today. God himself, the power of God present with us, filling our lives, we honor you. Praise you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this has been our practice together in this series, and before you are dismissed to go or to come and pray with these leaders who are here in the front, can we pray this prayer that's on the screen uh, together and out loud? Let's pray this as we wrap up this series and this gathering. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your love and for the gifts you pour out on your church. As we pursue the fullness of your presence and power, use us to be a gift to each other and also to those outside of your church. Be honored in and through our lives. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.